the special giftings that you've given to different ones. And we thank you, Father, for the giftings that you've given to Kathleen and for Zoe, Lord. And we pray, Father, for your blessing, for your encouragement, for your touch and for your hand upon them as they travel, as they rest and as they remain. Pray, Father, for Kathleen as she comes back, Lord, that you'll continue to lead and inspire and direct her, Lord. Pray, Father, for Zoe as well, that you'll encourage her in the times that she's out there. And, Father, may she be encouraged as a team go out from uh, hope here in a couple of months' time, a month or so's time, to be a blessing and encouragement to her. And we thank you for all that you've done in their lives and all that you're doing. And we thank you, Father, for that special gifting that you've given to Phil, Lord. I pray, Father, that he might know and anoint him in, uh, on him this morning, Lord. He might know your hand upon him, Lord. That you will indeed open up his eyes and his ears to he uh, hear and to see what you want to share with us this morning. And may, may you be that mouthpiece as you speak into our lives this morning. May our ears be open and our eyes be open as well. That we might be able to receive that which you want to share through Phil. Bless him and encourage him. And we thank you, Father, for the anointing upon him this morning as well. In Jesus' name. Amen. Self-comfortable, just yeah, give me a bit of time. Just make it all work. Don't need that one. Our lives are dictated to us by the scriptures. When we were not Christians, we made up our own mind what we wanted to do. Well, that's what we thought. But the world is controlled by the evil one. So we didn't make up our own mind. And scripture even says this. It says we are either are a slave to sin or a slave to righteousness. Jesus also said you're either with me or you're against me. There's no neutrality. There's no place where you can be where you're not subject to the devil or subject to God, one or the other. Before, we were subject to the enemy only. When we came to Christ, we changed our allegiance from one to another. Jesus said, I want you to be my disciples. That means I want you to be my ardent followers. But if we're not, we find ourselves serving Two masters. I want to teach you today from the Word of God. There should be a whole load of scriptures, but we'll move very quickly through them, and I hope they'll come on the screen. And I've just sometimes just praised them a little bit. So whether you turn to them, there'll be a lot to turn to. You can just hopefully they'll come up on the screen. And I want to show you clearly from the Word of God that we are engaged in a relentless battle with Satan. Now, when I say Satan, what I mean is with his minions, that is his evil spirits. We are engaged on a daily basis with evil. It is incumbent upon us as disciples of Jesus Christ to learn to understand 
how we are to take our stand against him and to war against him. That is placed upon us. And just as the Holy Spirit wants to come and fill and direct our lives in the direction that God wants us to go, so evil spirits want to come and infect our lives and direct us in the opposite direction. You can see it like a mirror image. The Holy Spirit wanting to be invited into your life to give direction for you to live in the Spirit or evil spirits coming to affect you that they might enter into your life and cause you to move in their direction, satisfying and gratifying them. That's it. That's the simplicity of it. You were created to house spirit. You're not neutral, you're not empty, and you either house the Holy Spirit of God and he directs you, or through the fallen nature of man, other spirits can come in and can direct your life. I want to turn you first to a passage in uh, Mark's Gospel, and it's Mark chapter 1. If you, if you are enthused about reading more about this battle with the demonic and the evil one, just read through the first eight chapters of Mark and you'll see how uh, the whole emphasis on the ministry of deliverance and com combating against the enemy is there clear on every page of those first eight chapters of Mark. So that's maybe a little bit of homework for you tonight. But this writer, Mark, he immediately in chapter 1 of his gospel, talks about deliverance. So it's from Mark 1 and verse 21. It says, They came to Capernaum, that's Jesus and his disciples. Jesus moved his base from Nazareth to Capernaum. And when the Sabbath came, Jesus went to the synagogue. Jesus went to church on Sunday, or the Sabbath day. It is his custom to do it. It should be our custom to go to church on the Lord's day. The people were amazed at his teaching. He was considered to be a rabbi, so when he was there, he was called forth to teach. The, uh, the people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. The teachers that they were used to was a teacher that was giving them rules and regulations so they, how they could be obedient and follow God. Jesus came with a new message. Jesus came with an exciting message message that stirred their hearts said just then a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out I'm not sure what this man was doing in church if he was possessed by an evil spirit it's the last place I would imagine anyone would go if they were possessed by an evil spirit but we'll look into this a little bit deeper what do you want with us? This is not the man shouting. This is the spirit within the man shouting through and using the man's vocal cords. What do you want with us? Who's he talking about? This spirit is talking about the him and the other spirits that are dwelling within this man. Jesus, through his ministry, has challenged them and stirred them up. What do you want with us? They say, Jesus of Nazareth. These spirits knew who Jesus was. They knew he was the Lord. They in the spirit realm could see and understand who Jesus was. They never called him Lord because Satan was their Lord. They always called Jesus, Jesus by his earthly name. What do you want with us, Jesus and others? Have you come to destroy us? 
See, these evil spirits knew what their end was. And they thought that now this one that stood before them, they knew who he was, was coming to destroy them. Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. Isn't that amazing? The people in the synagogue didn't know who Jesus was, but the evil spirits in the people knew who Jesus was. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Shut up. Say nothing. You're not allowed to speak. Why? Because he didn't want the people to know who he was. Jesus kept his identity secret from the people that he might die for them on the cross. Because if they knew who he was, they would never have crucified the Lord. So he silences the demons who know who he is. And he quite seriously and soundly says, come out of him. The spirit in this religious man wasn't on him or pressurizing him or somehow on the outside. He was on the inside of this religious man. This man who had come to the house of God to worship God. This man was a worshiper of God and these evil spirits were on the inside. You say, is that like us? We've come to the house of God. We are the children of God. We are the worshippers of God. Is it possible that we too might have some things within us that need to be dealt with? That need to be removed from us so we can truly and freely worship the Lord? We can enjoy the freedom that we even sang about this morning. The evil, and Jesus says, come out of him. It says, the evil spirit, obviously it was on the inside, it started to shake the man violently. The resistance to leaving its house. The spirit had made a home in, its, in this place. It was his temple. This is where he lived. And so he starts to shake in resistance to the command. The evil spirit shook the man and came out with a... <laughs> came out of his mouth. It came out with a shriek. Spirit is breath and wind. It left him. The spirit left him. People say to me when I do deliverance, well, there might not be manifestations. I hope there are. Then I know what's going on. I can see the work of God. I can see the finger of God and the hand of God. Sometimes it's, it's not just screaming, it's other manifestations. The shaking would have been sufficient People feel hot, people feel uh, uh, they, they want to cough or, or, or whatever it is. You want manifestations because it's an evidence that something is leaving. Jesus had them. I would like to minister in that same way. The people were all amazed and asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority he even gives orders to evil spirits. They had never seen a man cast evil spirits out of another man ever in the history of Israel. Because every man who was born before Jesus came and died was subject to Satan. He was their Lord. When they died, they went to where Satan was, in a place called Sheol. It's only when Jesus came and open that, that we can now go into the presence of God. So they'd never seen a man exercise deliverance on another man before. That's why when the disciples came back to Jesus, they were amazed. And they said, even the demons are subject to us. 
mere mortals. And they were rejoicing over the power, the authority they had over the demonic. They'd never seen it before. Of course, he says to them, he doesn't dampen their enthusiasm. He says, this is wonderful, but I tell you something, your names will be written in heaven and you will be like me. That's something to rejoice over. Not that you can stamp on a few evil spirits, but you are a son of God. He wasn't dampening their enthusiasm, but he was saying, there's a whole lot more. This morning, I want to expose to you the tactics of the evil one. So you will have the upper hand over him. Because if you're not understanding, he will dominate your life. He hates all of God's creation. He hates Christians even more than all of God's creation. And he hates active Christians more than those. So you fall into a very small group of people who Satan really hates. Because you are proactive Christians... You want to worship God, move in the spirit, and bring up your families. You want to be a testimony to God. And so Satan, who is limited with his forces, directs them to the people who are doing the most damage to his kingdom. How do you feel about that? He said to Peter, Peter, don't worry. Satan is going to come after you, but I have prayed that your faith will remain. Have you ever had Satan come after you? If you go, well, I'm not sure, it's because you didn't understand or recognize him. But he's after us, and he's after us more than anybody else on this planet because we can do him the most damage. They use the word possessed here. It's, it's, it's a legitimate translation, but let me say this. A Christian cannot be possessed by an evil spirit. A Christian is owned by God, purchased by the blood of Jesus, but we can be affected by, we can have. One can attack us and enter into us, but never possess us. We cannot be possessed by both God and Satan. And we've been purchased by the blood of Jesus, so we belong to him. The word is to be demonized, subject to the influence of demons, to have and to be with a demon. Now, this book is not written to sinners. This is a covenant that is written to God's people. The Old Testament is, is an old covenant written to the people of God. It wasn't written to the Gentiles, it was written to the people of God. The New Testament is a book, a covenant, that God has written to us, the Christians. It isn't for sinners. Everything in here applies to you. Once a sinner becomes a Christian, accepts Jesus, this book applies to them. But prior to that, it has no bearing on them. We're not here to judge the world. The world, the world will live the way it wants to live. This book is telling the Christian how the Christian should live. And we shouldn't dictate terms to the world. We can point out to our friends where we think the world might be making a mistake and causing problems to itself. But this book is for us. This New Testament book is for us. So everything in here, everything I read to you this morning, it only applies to Christians, to you. 
not to the lost or to the world. Jesus has said in John 10.10, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's from you. That's you. That's his, that's his responsibility. Satan is the thief. He is a destroyer of the people of God. He, is, he has you in his focus, you're in his, you're in his sights, and he is seeking to destroy you, to rob and take everything from you to make you a terrible testimony to the glory of God, to, to make you miserable, to make you fearful, to make you depressed, to make you feel rejected, to make you feel hopeless. And then he likes to hold you up and say, see this one? This is a child of God. Look how depressing they are. Look how miserable they are. That's what the devil does. And so we have to be wise. We have to understand what he's doing. Paul says we're not ignorant of Satan's schemes. Well, we mustn't be ignorant then. Let's understand what they are. So all the warnings against encroachment of demonic activity is addressed to you. Let's have a look what some of these are. 1 Peter 5.8. See how this works. Does this work? Wonderful. Okay. 1 Peter 5.8. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking for someone to devour. Satan can devour you. I never said that. The Bible said it. And he is on the prowl to devour you, to consume you for himself. It's not Satan. It's his evil spirits that he sends forth to do the devouring. In 2 Corinthians 11 and 3, it says that Satan can deceive you. Just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, so your minds may also be led astray. Now, he's so crafty, the devil. He doesn't lead you too far astray. He just leads you enough astray so you still think you're thinking Christian thoughts when you're not at all. His plan is to lead you astray. And he finds it easy with some Christians. In Galatians 3 and verse 1, it says, Satan can bewitch you. You foolish Galatians, he says. Who has bewitched you? What does that mean? It means put you under a spell. He can put you under a spell if you listen to him and follow his teaching and listen to what he has to say. Much bad teaching comes across the pulpit. Teaching of demons can come across the pulpit. You're all sitting there wonderfully submitted and receiving from me. Listen, you need to go home and check the stuff that you hear. I watch and listen to some sermons and I think I definitely disagree with everything that man has just said. Or I disagree with that part. I disagree with that part. We have to be discerning and understanding because the demons will come to the leadership Pour lies into them that look good to deceive the very flock of God. See, we're engaged in a warfare. He's out. He uses every trick in the book to defeat us and to, and to break us down. It says in Revelations 2 and verse 8 that Satan can kill you. The devil will put some of you in prison to test you. And you will suffer persecution. He says, be faithful to the point of death and I will give you a crown of life. Of course, God is sovereign, so we must assume that God permits, permits the enemy to kill because it fulfills his purposes to some extent. 
But it is the devil who is doing the killing. It says in Ephesians 6 and 12 that Satan wrestles with you. It says, for our struggle is against spiritual forces of darkness. Don't come to beat me up. I'm really your friend. That doesn't mean I'll agree with everything you say, but it's the spirits that we're, we're fighting with that, that, that are a problem in our lives. It's not people. It is the spirit that is behind those people. Now, you become vulnerable to Satan's attack when you wander away from Jesus. As I said at the beginning, many people who are saved today are saved to a point that they are converts of Christ. They're happy to be saved and happy to go to heaven when they die, but they don't want to be discipled. I was challenged the other day reading a book and the, the question in the book was, did anyone ever ask you if you wanted to be a disciple? And you know, no one ever did. It was assumed that if you came to Christ and you signed up, that you would want to be a disciple. But that's not true, is it? Lots of people want to go to heaven, they want to be saved, but they want to walk their own way. They want to pick a bit here, leave a bit there. Take this on board, leave that on board. Oh no, a disciple reads something in God's word, or is taught it, doesn't say, I'll go away and pray about this. Says, Amen, let's do it. It says the early church devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine. In other words, they did what the apostles showed them to do or taught them to do. They didn't argue about it. Read through the Sermon on the Mount and do everything it says. You will have a transformed Christian life. How many of you fasted this week? No, we had a few. Okay, well, it's definitely a directive when you fast, when you pray. When you give, when you forgive, when you do all these things. See, following Christ is a disciplined life. And we have to take that on board. I was never asked to be a disciple. I drifted into something. And for many years, I just kept drifting along until God challenged me. And then I decided I wanted to be more serious about this stuff. Most of our churches, unfortunately, aren't filled with serious people about following Jesus. They're happy to be saved, but that seriousness isn't there. So, Christians are vulnerable. Let me show you some of the vulnerability. And already Paul has mentioned this verse. It says in uh, Galatians 4, 8 and 9. It says, you have been set free, but some of you are chosen to go back into slavery. See, the freedom that Christ has given you is to be a slave of his. There is no freedom in this world. There's no freedom. You're either a slave unto righteousness or a slave unto sin. Now, it says that these people, they became slaves unto righteousness, but they went back. Let's see what it says. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not God's. People told you what to do. People dominated your life. But he says, now that you know God, or rather, known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable principles? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? Not following Jesus is to be enslaved by miserable principles that will rob from you. 
That's what this verse is saying. You can be the mouthpiece of the devil. It says in Matthew 16 and 23, Jesus talking to Peter, Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. When you speak, are you speaking the words of Jesus or the words of Satan? What are you saying? Oh, don't bother. It doesn't matter. No, don't do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. Who's, who's talking through you? We need to know what Jesus is telling us to do and tell others to do the same things, not what Satan is telling us to do. It says in uh, 2 Timothy 2, 25 and 26, you can be taken captive by Satan to do his will, and they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Satan takes, he takes great pleasure in capturing Christians and causing them to do his will. He's very subtle in the way he does it. It's no obvious. You don't grow horns and go around putting curses on people and blaspheming all over the place. Oh no, it's more subtle than that. These Christians were in the church, deceiving and moving people away from the truth. It says in 2 Corinthians 6.16, you can enter into a defiling relationship with demonic spirits. He says, what agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? Come out from among them and be separate. Touch not the unclean thing. That which you elevate in your life, I don't care if it's a good thing or a bad thing, that takes the place of Jesus is an idol. It's demonic. It can control and manipulate your life. We have to be careful. It says in Galatians 5.19, it talks about the sins of the flesh. Let me read that to you. Galatians 5 and 19. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery. Notice with this list, sexual sins are top of the list. Many Millions of Christians struggle with sexual sins. Be it lust, pornography, whatever it is, it is tormenting Christian lives. It comes from the fallen nature. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Number one, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery. Goes on to idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discourse, oh. jealousy. Fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions and factions. Envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. He says, I warn you, Jesus is warning you, he says, I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. That does not mean you will not go to heaven. There'll be some pretty dodgy people in heaven. What he's saying is you will not inherit kingdom life. That which saves you is faith in Jesus Christ alone. You mean I can get saved and be a bad man? You can. I know some bad men who are born again. They do not live good lives or holy lives or righteous lives, but they still have faith in Jesus Christ as their saviour, but they're not enjoying the kingdom. They're not enjoying kingdom life. Heaven started the day that you got born again. Whether you appreciated it or not, heaven started. Your relationship with God kicked off then so you can live as heaven was here now. There shouldn't be this gap when you leave this world and enter the next. It shouldn't be a big gulf for you to jump over. It should be a smooth transition from this world to the next because we've learnt 
to live in the kingdom of God now in this place. The devil will get you to walk in unforgiveness. It's a big problem. I see it on a daily basis. People not forgiving others for the things that they do. Do you know what Jesus says in Matthew 8 and 34? He says, my father will hand you over to the tormentors, to the jailers. Who are these tormentors and jailers? See, it's as though God has to take his hands on us if we're going to be unforgiving. And it's a free access for the devil to come in and torment us if we don't walk in unforgiveness and mercy. You can be angry and give Satan a bridgehead in your life. It says in Ephesians 4 and 27, do not give the devil a foothold. If you're angry with me and you go away and you don't resolve this thing, you have given the devil a foothold in your life. If we do sin and we don't deal with it quickly, we give Satan a foothold in our lives. And a foothold becomes a stepping stone for him and before long he's in and he's doing his damage. It says in 1 Timothy 4.1, you can follow and submit to teachings taught by demons. Some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. So be careful. Some have abandoned. Some are still maybe on television or you're reading their books or whatever. Be careful. It says uh, you can be led astray by different spirits. 2 Corinthians 11.4. He says this, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received. The most common spirits I see in the church of Jesus Christ are spirits of religion. I hear them coming out of people's mouths all the time. We've been grown up with this idea of religiosity and so we bought into it and this now has become a dominating spirit in our lives. Spirits of legalism. Some funny idea that for God to bless you, you have to do good things to God. You have to be a good Christian. You have to behave yourself and do the things that he wants you to do. And if you are, he will bless you. That's rubbish. God blesses bad people and good people. He does. I wouldn't. I'd kick all the bad ones up the backside out of the church. But he blesses bad people. He blesses Good people. He doesn't reward us according to our sins. He rewards us according to his love and what Jesus Christ has done for us. You've done things that you deserve God to have kicked you out a long time ago. All of you. I don't care who you are. But he didn't. He loved you. Because the basis of your relationship is not how good you are, but it is in Jesus Christ. Because Jesus took the punishment for all of your sin and he continues to do so so God can look at you favourably and love you. You say, that's too good to be true. Of course it is. God's gospel has got to be better than you think it is. Do you think you've cracked it? No way. I think it's fantastic and I only know a fraction of how good it is. I haven't got a clue really, but I know something. He's not, he's not rewarding me on what a good boy I am. Because I'm not always a good boy. You wouldn't want to know what thoughts go through my mind sometimes. They're not good. If they were repetitive, I'd get deliverance, and I have done. Okay? So this isn't beyond any of us to be free from these things. And then uh, in James 3 and 15, it says, Your wisdom can come from the devil and not from God. 
You think you're so smart sometimes. Where did it come from? It says, such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly. It's unspiritual, and it's of the devil. If we think like the world thinks about anything, we think like the devil. That's it. If you think financially about financial matters like the world thinks, it's evil. There is a way that we're supposed to think about money in the kingdom that's different from the world. Jesus even said there is a spirit called mammon, the spirit of money that dictates to you. We were talking about it this week here. You know, if I say to you, would you like to do something like a mission trip? And you said, yeah, I'd really love to. I'll just go and consult my money. Oh, what about consulting God whether you should do the mission trip? Oh, no, I'll consult my money. So you go to the bank account and the money screams at you, you can't go because there's nothing in here. And God is screaming, you can go because there are treasures stored up in heaven for you. So which voice are you listening to? The spirit of mammon or the spirit of God? God. Amen. I heard that. Well done. So don't let the spirit of mammon tell you what you can and can't do. Because it'll always say you can't do it. But the spirit of God. Sometimes you shouldn't go on the mission and God would say don't go. Sometimes he'd say go. But he's not looking at your bank account. He's looking at your bank account in heaven. Have you stored up for yourself treasures in heaven? Well draw on them now. Because if you pass from this world and you haven't emptied your bank account in heaven, it will be written off written off. I have a tremendous bank account in heaven that I call on and God supplies me out of my bank account in heaven. I want to spend it all so when I pass from this world to the next and say, Philip, you've got nothing in this account. It's a good job you left then and came now. <laughs> but see, every act of goodness and kindness is building up your treasure in heaven. That's it. And that's what you can draw on. So we have clear examples also in scripture of believers who were demonized. Demon, uh, Christians who were harassed by demons. It says of Peter's mother-in-law in Luke 4 and 39. She's got a fever, remember? So Jesus has just done some deliverance. He comes back into the house of Peter and she's, she's suffering from a fever. I'll tell you something. Whenever I am doing deliverance, things go weird. Uh, lots of stuff happens. Uh, people get ill around me, or uh, people can't do this, or people get broken into... Lots of things happen when you're going to go in this direction. Okay. Peter is ministering with Jesus in the synagogue, deliverance to people. His mother, Peter's mother-in-law, is at home sick with a fever. Jesus goes in there, he bends over her, and he doesn't heal her, he rebukes the fever. That fever was the root cause of a demonic spirit. Now, if you're going to look up the other references to rebuking, he rebukes the wind and the waves. Well, he's not actually rebuking the wind and the waves. He's rebuking the spirit behind the wind and the waves. He rebukes the demons when they come later in the evening of this same day and tells them to shut up. He rebukes them. You don't rebuke sickness. You heal sickness and disease. You rebuke the devil. So he rebuked the devil. In Luke 13 and 12, we read about a woman called a daughter of Abraham. That means she was a daughter of faith. She should never have been demonized. But it says that Satan had bound her. 
Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. And then down in Luke 13, 16, she's called a daughter of Abraham, and it says Satan had her bound for 18 years. Jesus was so angry that the church had let her be bound for 18 years. How long have you been bound? She went to church as a daughter of Abraham faithfully. Daughter of Abraham was a reference to real Israel, real people of faith. And she was bound then for 18 years and he was angry and he set her free. This woman should have been set free. They had rituals, they could have done it, they could have invoked God, but they never bothered to set this poor woman free. It says in 2 Timothy 1.7, For God did not give you a spirit of timidity or fear. God, fear is a spirit that can dominate your life. It doesn't come from God, so where does it come from? It comes from the enemy. Because fear operating in your life stops you living by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So this spirit of fear is everywhere. It's throughout the church. People are afraid to do anything and everything because of this dominating spirit. For God did not give you a spirit of fear. 2 Timothy 1.7 Then we read the story of Ananias and Sapphira in Acts 5 and verse 8. He says to Ananias... How is it that Satan has filled your heart? Two early Christian, born-again believers, I presume spirit-filled, but Satan somehow filled their heart. They allowed this spirit of covetousness to come into them. Greed, I don't know what it was. Spirit of mammon, but it caused their death. And then we read about this man called Simon the Sorcerer in Acts 13. Listen carefully. Simon himself believed and was baptized. That makes him a Christian, a born-again Christian. He heard the gospel, he believed it, and he got baptized. Then we read in Acts 8 and 23, this is what Peter and John, when they come and meet with him, say, For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. You say, hang on a minute, I thought he was born again and baptized. Yes, but he was still captive to sin. Now, sin is a person. Evil is a person. It's a person. You rebuke, you don't rebuke sin, you rebuke the person of sin. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, okay, we say, Lord, deliver us from evil. That's not right. It's Lord, deliver us from the evil one. When the evil one comes to you, the result of having his way with you is that you will sin. That is the result. But you've already entertained the evil one. You've already entertained Mr. Sin. You've already entertained the devil. You've already entertained him. The result of your entertaining him is the sin that you commit. Now, Christ died for all those sins. But he also came that the righteousness of Christ could come in you and that nature of sin would leave you. And so sin would no longer have dominion over you. Let's move forward 2,000 years. The stuff I've read about here in the Bible is operating in your life today. It's not changed. Nothing changes. Culture changes. I get all that. But the truth of this word doesn't change. Demons have access to your mind. Have they been troubling you this morning? Has the Spirit been saying to you, you need to get out of here? You need not listen to this. 
This is the last place you want to be. You need to find a better church than this. That's, that's, that's the devil talking to you. I've only opened up the scriptures to you. I've only read the scriptures. I've read loads of them to you. So you can see from the scriptures that it's true. So the devil comes and he talks to us. And in his talking to us, the idea is that as we keep talking, we take him on board just bit by bit, and that talking becomes a demonic bondage. Pornography, I've spoken about that. You start to look and look and look and look. And where a look was once a month, once a week, once a day, five times a day, ten times a day, what are the most hits on the internet? You know what they are. Pornography, you know what they are. Millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of them a day, and some Christians are hitting them every day as well. Addictions. No one was born an addict. You started with one, liked it, moved on to two and three and four until in the end it's got you. You're not having a drink, the drink is having you. And so you become addicted. And there's lots of other addictions. Controlling behaviour, fear, unforgiveness, rejection. All of these things grow in us because we listen to the devil and let him dominate and control our minds. Christians can experience demonic attack through objects that they have in their home, through occult things or charms or pictures or books or uh, idols or, or uh, false religious stuff. All sorts of stuff can affect us. Curses have come through your family and are dictating your life to you. You think, I don't know why I'm like this. Because curses have come through, religious curses, Freemasonry things, people involved in uh, other religions. It comes through and it dominates our mind and our thinking and become prisoners. All of this enforces Jesus' contention. He said to the woman from Syrophoenicia, deliverance is the children's bread. This woman was not a child of God. She was Greek. She was not a Jew. So he said to her, I cannot give you deliverance because it is the children's bread. I have prayed, without a word of exaggeration, for thousands of people for deliverance in 35 years. And not one of them was a non-Christian. Ever. Ever. You cannot cast evil spirits out of non-Christians because their Lord is Satan. <coughs> you have to explain to them, you must come to Christ and receive him as your personal saviour. Then the spirit will go. It is the children's bread. If deliverance isn't for Christians, then it ain't for anybody. But it is for us, that we don't have to be subject to his dominion and control in our lives. So our victory over demons was secured for us on the cross. But I've discovered in a view that nothing from God is thrust upon you or he makes you have it. Because he loves you and he respects you so much, he offers you everything. He came to you and he said, do you want salvation? He never made you get saved. Do you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Do you want to move in the gifts of the Spirit? Do you want healing? Do you want deliverance? He won't do it. He will never force himself upon you, just like you would never force yourself upon someone you loved. You would never manipulate and control them. So we appropriate it into our lives. 
You get delivered the day that you decide you want to be delivered. Now, Paul says, you put up with so much rubbish for so long in your life. Why? Why put up with fear? Why put up with rejection? Why put up with addictions? Why put up with pornography? Why put up with all that stuff? You don't have to. You just have to appropriate the delivering power that Christ secured for you on the cross. It might need some prayer, but this church believes in it. So come and be prayed for. Ask your fellowship group people. Ask those you know who aren't afraid of deliverance to minister deliverance to you. The Holy Spirit owns and occupies this temple. But it's like this temple has lots of rooms. And in some of the rooms are squatters. And squatters have to be evicted. You have to throw them out. And so there's a part of your life, perhaps, that's really worshipping God. But over here you have a dark place. You have a dark room. And no one goes in there, and least of all Jesus. That's the, that says pornograph, pornograph on the door. That says lust on the door. That says unforgiveness on the door. That says fear on the door. And no one's allowed in there. That door's got to be opened, and that spirit has got to be evicted and thrown straight out the house. Jesus said in Matthew 12 and 44, our bodies are like a house. Throw them out. Clean the house. Get it free. Sometimes you might buy a house and you might find it infested with vermin. Are you going to leave them to stay there? You go, no thanks. I think I'll get the exterminators in. Well, you get the ghostbusters in. You get someone in to get their rubbish out of your life. It won't just leave. And it won't leave because you asked Jesus to get it out. Because he told us to cast the spirits out. He told us to heal the sick. He told us to preach the gospel. The gospel will not be preached unless men and women preach the gospel. It's not automatic. People are saved through the laying on of hands. And demons are removed from people's life because someone stands up and says, You out in the name of Jesus. Just as Jesus showed us how to do it. We need the ghostbusters. Your temple is only free in principle. You understand? All of this stuff we sing about is only in principle yours. Freedom isn't really freedom until you make it your freedom. You sing about it forever. You won't get free until you do what he tells you to do. Given the right conditions, though, in that infested house, they're coming back. The vermin are coming back into your house. So even when you've kicked everything out, you have to walk in a certain way that you get free and stay free. This is a church that believes in deliverance. This is a church that wants to set the captives free. You don't have to carry all that nonsense around with you another moment. You can be free. Now, I'm not doing mass deliverance. If I was somewhere in the world, I'd just go for it and bang it out and just see what happens. But you can come here and see me. We can sit down. We can ask some questions. We can get to the truth. We can examine the word of God. And you can be a changed person. Who in this room has been delivered from an evil spirit sometime in the past? Put your hand up. Okay. Very good. The rest of you, what are you doing? You say, we haven't got any. Well, there's very few people who ain't got any. You can't walk around in Satan's world and not have him 
attack you and affect you and bind you up. That's his job. So if there's anything that binds you, anything that is a bondage to you, anything that you recognize that you've battled with for years and you don't want it, this is where you need to come. See the Ghostbuster and get it dealt with. It ain't me, it's Jesus.